This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, joined today by Kamel King. As we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state, letting you know about people, places, and events that make Mississippi a fascinating place to live. We'll start this road trip off in Mize for the 40th annual Watermelon Fest. Then we'll head to Jackson for a jumpstart back-to-school jam. Next, we're off to the Bologna Performing Arts Center in Cleveland, and we'll end the show with musical guest, violinist, and Jackson native Jocelyn Zoo. So hold on tight because we're going for another great ride here on Next Stop Mississippi. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with MississippiToday.org, joined by Visit Mississippi's Kamel King. We are glad to be with you on this Friday morning. I think we're all glad to see the weekend ahead of us. And as always, I'm glad to join uh, or to be joined by my good friend Kamel King during this great hour of, of the week. Hey, my beautiful inside and out friend. How are you? I'm great. I'm very good. It's um, it's very hot. <laughs> yeah, I walked in the door and was like, it's a sauna outside. Well, it really is. And there's just, you know, there's we all have our different ways of beating the heat. And mm-hmm. today we're we're talking a little bit about ways to beat the heat. But we're also talking about the 40th annual Watermelon Festival in Mize, Mississippi. Which, yes. I mean, there are very few better ways to beat the heat than with watermelon. <laughs> I mean, in some parts of this United States, I don't think that they get a lot of watermelons. And I feel so sorry for them in the summertime. <laughs> I know. Because there's nothing better than cutting one up and putting it in the refrigerator and tearing it out on a hot day. I know, Kamel. You're really speaking my language. And there's just, um, yeah, so many options for mm-hmm. the watermelon. So mm-hmm. well, it'll be really fun to talk to Teresa Stewart and uh, friends over in Mize this morning. But, hey, we do want to know what's happening in your neck of the woods. So please give us a call today and tell us what's going on in your community this weekend. It doesn't have to be a festival. It doesn't have to be an event. We want to hear about your small town shops, the great restaurants, the wonderful museums, really anything you want to brag about. We're here to listen. I'd love to follow back up with uh, the Mississippi Today event that you guys had on last week. Uh, People in politics. What was the full title of it? Thanks for mentioning that, Kamel. People, politics and the press. And the press. There we go. We hosted at the two Mississippi museums last weekend, Mississippi Today, along with MPB, the Mississippi Humanities Council, Clarion Ledger and the Press Association. And man, it was a great turnout. Yeah. We had a wonderful day. About 350 folks came out to join us for some really great conversations. Nice. Um, one of the strongest panel conversations of, uh, through the day was um, Southern politics in the age of Trump. It was moderated by the great veteran journalist Curtis Wilkie, who's a Mississippi Man. native. We had um, Jesse Holland on the panel, along with Brandon Jones, Austin Barber, and... Uh, Alex Burns from the New York Times. Nice. And, uh, these gentlemen had all very different perspectives and just a lot of insight about what uh, it's like to be in the media today, what mm-hmm. Southern politics looks like right now, and just really fun and engaging. So if you miss the conversation, you can uh, look that up on Facebook Live. There's a, a live stream capture from that day and check it out. So, Excellent. Absolutely. So yeah, give us a call. Let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods. one 672 
1-877-464. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring We do want to hear from you, so give us a call this morning. But glad to um, have on the lines today joining us from Smith County, Teresa Stewart. She's Assistant Fire Chief in Mize, Mississippi. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning from the home of the Mississippi Watermelon Festival. Yeah. (laughs) We are so glad to have you today. Thanks for taking time. Your festival, I believe, kicks off today, so you are busy, busy. Yes, ma'am. Everything's rolling in. we got our vendors coming in this morning. Our food vendors are already on site. All our arts and crafts vendors are coming in. And we'll be ready to open the gates to the public at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Wow, that's great. A perfect time to get kicked off on a Friday. You know, cut out a little early and and get going. I looked at some pictures from uh, festivals past uh, this morning, and it just looks like a wonderful gathering for family and friends and for people to kind of come back home and get together. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you guys to start the Watermelon Festival now 40 years ago. 40 years. The Watermelon Festival was originally started in 1978 by the local watermelon producers to to kind of promote the watermelon and, and celebrate all the things that the farmers here did. Um, it proved to be a big challenge for them with, with their farming during that time of the year, so they handed it off to the fire department in about 1981. And so the fire department has had it as a fundraiser since 1981. Wow. Now, you're the assistant fire chief. How long have you been with the fire department? I've been with the fire department 25 years, and I've been the assistant fire chief here for 12. Oh, wow. Go ahead. That is excellent. I bet you have seen some things in your day and have saved a lot of lives, so we appreciate everything that you do for our community. Well, I I enjoy serving the community. Um, It's great to serve the community, and everybody here is a volunteer. Uh, Everybody's a volunteer in the fire department and a volunteer for the festival. There's no paid staff on either one. Mm. Now, um, the Mississippi, you call it the Mississippi Watermelon Festival, and that's for a reason. Smith County is known for its watermelons. Can you talk a little bit about what sets these watermelons apart from all others? Well, it's kind of a closely guarded secret among the farmers. But wow. it's believed hmm. to be the soil. The soil that is found here in the hills and hollows of Smith County seems to produce the sweetest watermelons found in the state. Now, while we represent all of the watermelon farmers across the state, Smith County just has that wide-reaching name for having the best watermelons. And we will be cutting and serving Smith County watermelons all weekend. Oh, my goodness. And, y'all, when she says they'll be cutting and serving watermelons, there is a stack of watermelons on site at this festival, taller than, like, a small child. I mean, it's amazing. We actually have we actually have um, three hundred already been brought in today, wow. and, and we will start cutting and serving those this afternoon. That is so so cool. Well, Miss Stewart, what's crazy is is even here in Jackson, Mississippi, where we uh, are based out of doing the show. When you hear Smith County watermelons hit the street, it's like everybody goes nuts <laughs> trying to find them. And then you go into Kroger and Walmart, and they're full of watermelons because everybody's trying to get the Smith County watermelons. Well, it, it, you know, and it's it's great for our producers. Um, we have a producer here, Aunt Clyde McGee, has donated our watermelons to us this year, and uh, Shannon Powell's donated them in past years, and. Uh, they just grow good watermelons. Good watermelons are grown here. It's something that the, they're dedicated to, so so they spend a lot of time studying how to grow the best ones. And and we're proud of that. We're proud of the watermelons grown statewide. That's wonderful, and that's true. And I think one thing a lot of people don't realize, and I'm getting into Felder's territory, is there's different kinds of watermelons. Really? So I, there are, and uh, we actually grew some seedless ones this year. There are now some seedless watermelons that are smaller. Uh, you have great big ones that are grown for show and, and for competition because we have a largest watermelon contest. And then you have yellow-meated and you have some orange-meated ones, but the most popular is the red-meated. Now, mm. let's and, uh, do talk a little smaller bit. smaller homes, you, you get a sm- most people now like a smaller melon because their families are not as large, so they like a smaller melon they can put in the refrigerator. Well, that is true. You kind of need an extra extra fridge sometimes for the big guys. I know, right? <laughs> you keep cutting and cutting and cutting. It's like, oh, my God. It's like 40 <laughs> pounds of watermelon out of this. Which, which speaking of, uh, do tell us a little bit about this largest watermelon contest. What sort of uh, sizes do you see come in each year? Well, it just depends on the year. Some years we'll have 80, 85 pounds, and we have had some largest ones. About the largest we've ever had was a number of years ago. We had one weighed about 135 pounds. 
Wow. Was it like a small horse on the inside or something? I mean, <laughs> God, Lee. They're not really good to eat. They're not They're not known for being good to eat. They're grown for the seeds. <laughs> that is too they're funny. They're grown for competition. Well, and I also saw um, some pictures of some beautiful young women who are uh, representing you as watermelon queens. You don't just have one queen. You have several. Well, we, um, we have a Mississippi watermelon queen. And uh, she represents watermelon and the festival and, and just watermelon producers all across the state promoting watermelon. And uh, she gets a scholarship for that. We give her a college scholarship to the college of her choice. But in order to support that scholarship, we have um, we crown little smaller planes so that we can support that scholarship for her. And uh, they all come to the festival, but the uh, the. Mississippi Watermelon Queen this year is Miss Braylon Boykin, and uh, she's been making appearances the last few weeks all across the state, and she's available for appearances across the state to promote watermelon. Well, that's mm-hmm. excellent. Now, in addition to all things watermelon, you have a lot of different activities taking place this afternoon and throughout the day on Saturday. So talk a little bit about what people can expect when they come out for the Mississippi Watermelon Fest. Well, we'll have, of course, our arts and crafts vendors and our food vendors open all weekend. They'll open this afternoon at 3, run through about 9 o'clock tonight, and then all day tomorrow. Uh, we have our talent competition tonight, and those uh, uh, individuals will be competing for a chance to open for our co- our concert tomorrow night. Wow. We open at 8.30 in the morning to the public, and we'll run all day with entertainment, arts and crafts, food, all kind of watermelon games, that seed spitting contest and that ever-popular watermelon eating contest that everybody likes to get in on. Just all kind of watermelon games that we have. We even have a, uh, instead of cornhole, we do watermelon. That's <laughs> oh, so man. fun. man. Do you guys <laughs> have a car show also? Game. You have a car show also? We do have a car show. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning on Main Street. We have a 5K run that registers in the morning at 6, and the uh, runners take the, uh, to the track about 7 o'clock. Wow, that is just super. So a weekend full of activities. Now, um, tell folks where they can go to learn a little bit more about what's happening, kind of check out the website and um, find more information. We have a website. It's mswatermelonfestival.com. We also have a Facebook page that's Mississippi Watermelon Festival. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Facebook keeps up to date pretty much by the hour for our our website just has general information. We do have a 1-800 number, and that's 888-790-9722, and you can get information there. But, um, but we're easy to find. We are right in downtown Mines, Mississippi, right at the crossroads of Highways 28 and 35, and you can see us when you get there. <laughs> we won't be able right. to miss you. That's so <laughs> exciting. Well, uh, thank you so much, Teresa Stewart, for joining us with the 40th Annual Mississippi Watermelon Fest in Mines, Mississippi. You just don't want to miss it. I mean, I'm in wow. a great mood after talking to you, so I'm I really you. appreciate your time just, this morning. Just come on out, and we'll get you in the gate this afternoon, and we'll give you a big old slide some watermelon and you can sit down there in the shade and look at the creek and I know that's right watermelon and just relax that's real Mississippi stuff right that's hospitality well Mm -hmm. thank you so much thank you so much and and best of luck to you and all those wonderful volunteers at uh, the Mize Fire Department so thank you so much now it is time for it is time for us to take a quick break but when we return we'll come back to the show with Fallon Brewster with the Mississippi Medical Mall Foundation to talk about their jumpstart back to school jam. Hey, you want to, you don't want to miss this cuz this is another great talent show. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. On the vine, sweet and red and juicy, sweet and red and juicy. Please be mine. Please be mine. Now let's see if this watermelon is ready to eat. Just knock on it like you were knocking on a door. Watermelon, watermelon, thump, 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 thump. I think you are ready, I think you are ready. Big and plump, big and plump. MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. I'm Jeremy Hobson. If you want to learn a second language, one of the best ways to do it is start young and learn from your parents. I'm... uh... 
native Swedish mm -hmm. and my wife is uh, native Greek, so we divvied up the languages. Um, so uh, she speaks Greek with them and I speak Swedish with them. We'll wrap up our series on language next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Michelle McAdoo is taking us for a throwback. Oh, man. She always plays the best music. I we are the this. best producer in the land. We do. We do. You just look through the glass and smile. It's great. I'm Mary Margaret Miller of MississippiToday.org, joined by Visit Mississippi's Kamel King. And if you're just joining us, before the break, we spoke with Teresa Stewart about the 40th annual Mize Mississippi Watermelon Festival happening today and tomorrow. Don't miss it. Now, it's time for us to talk with our friend Fallon Brewster, VP of Communications and Marketing for Jackson Medical Mall Foundation. Welcome. Hi, how are you? We're great. We're great. Good morning. And, and thanks for joining us today to talk about the uh, third annual Jumpstart Back to School Jam. Hard to believe you're already in year three. It seems like just yesterday you kicked off this great initiative. I know. I know. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, we, when we started it the first year, we, we were kind of just testing the waters to see how the community would respond uh, but we, we've received an overwhelming response over the years, so there's definitely something that we want to keep going. Yeah, well, Fallon, tell us about those early years. What really sparked this idea to host this, what you call a back-to-school jam, which just sounds a lot more fun than back-to-school all by itself. Ho-hum. <laughs> right. So, well, the, the idea actually came, uh, there were two events uh, and I was just coming on board at the Jackson Medical Mall. So there were two events, and our executive director, Mr. Primus Willer, he asked me to kind of spearhead a back-to-school jam uh, because he wanted to provide school supplies and health screenings for the community. And then there was another event uh, that our, now our VP of uh, Arts and Culture, she wanted to host a talent show. And so we kind of just put the ideas together, and she wanted my assistance. So I said, let's, let's just do it all in one event. Mm -hmm. And so hence we have Jumpstart the Back to School Jam because in addition to giving out school supplies and health screenings, we want the youth to be excited about going back to school. We want to have a party. We want them to have fun. So we added a little flair uh, for the first two years. And uh, for the first year, we had Jacob Lattimore to come. That's Jacob Lattimore from The Shy and uh, Collateral Beauty with Will Smith, and he's an entertainer and all that. So he came out, and he did a meet and greet with the kids, and he actually hosted the first talent show. And they loved it. Yeah, they that's a thrill. So, mm -hmm. Now the second year, we had—oh, I'm sorry. Oh, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. The second year, we had Sun Sanjay. Uh, from the hit show Bring It. We wanted to kind of highlight some hometown favorites. So Sanjay came out and she did a dance performance. She did the meet and greet. And uh, Mississippi's own Rita Brent hosted the talent show. So that was really fun. And so this year we just want to have a party because the kids love to come in and they love to dance. And so we have a DJ and uh, we have a dance floor this year and they're just going to party. That's so That's great. Excellent. That's excellent. Well, I mean, kids, of course, need this, and, and parents certainly need the relief. I mean, because every year when you're sending your child back to school, it is, uh, I mean, a, a hefty price. You it know, really getting is. these supplies, school clothes, right. and it's so important to the community. What type of feedback do you get from the community while you're doing this and after, as far as how much and how important it is? Oh, we always get tons of thank yous, tons of support uh, from different sponsors in the community. We always have people come by and bring school supplies. We had Sisters with a Throttle. Uh, they've been with us, I believe, for the past two years now. They always donate backpacks. They want to support. We have people come by and drop off checks and say, hey, we want this to go towards the community. I can be an anonymous donor, but I just want to support it. So the response is always very positive uh, just to see the people walking here. And people are always here before the event even starts 
uh, just to make sure that they're able to get what they need. And we try to make sure that we never run out and that we can always supply in abundance. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. How do you begin to prepare for sharing, giving away school supplies to an entire community in need? I mean, that's a lot of individuals, a lot of kids, and probably a lot of supplies. Mm -hmm. It it is. It is. So we, uh, we do a lot in terms of ordering supplies, and we have a lot of sponsors and donors that come by, and they drop off supplies as well. So we start... We always start planning and jump start pretty much after after this one we'll probably start go ahead you know go ahead and start planning the next one so this this takes uh almost a year in the making uh to make all of the components come together because we have the talent show we have the health screenings we have to have vendors we have to have sponsors so it takes a lot of planning but it's all well worth it when you see how much the community appreciates uh what you've done for them yeah. How many kids and families do you think you'll serve this year? This year, we're expecting to serve at least 600. Oh, uh, that's, man. That's the minimum of what we have each year. Last year, we had uh, somewhere between 1,800 and 2,200 uh, to come out. Are you serious? So, wow. Yes. Yes. And they have a great time, too. So, And it's not just for those in need. It's for whoever comes. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, when you say you get started on this and it takes about a year, what do you have to get started reaching out to people to to donate the sponsorships? And how do you get the word out to the community so that they know to come? Well, we, we always promote. We have lots of events through the year. So we use the events that we have to promote the upcoming events. And we started we always start promoting Jumpstart probably in May. At right right as school gets ready to um, adjourn for the year, we don't want to overwhelm people with, hey, we're having a back-to-school jam before they even get out of school because who wants to think about going back to school when they hadn't even got out yet? <laughs> so we're really strategic with how we, how we put place the event out, but we market to sponsors and, and the parties involved all throughout the year just to make sure that they're on board. So this, this is always a lengthy process. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And so um, you still are continuing with the talent show this year, in addition to having this great DJ and dance floor. Is it required that you pre-register to participate in the talent show? Yes, uh, it is required. Pre-registration uh, is always required because we want to make sure that everything flows and that, you know, we have the music together and we want to have a real professional production for our talent show. So we actually held auditions on uh, June 21st. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So this is like an adjudicated talent show. It's not just, I mean, y'all aren't going to let me get up there and sing the national anthem. <laughs> and, and sometimes we do. I know the first year, we're always up for impromptu. There was a young lady who came up and said, hey, I just I just want to open up the show. I don't have to compete. Her voice was so amazing. We said, why not? And mm-hmm. she, she was able to take the stage and uh, Jacob Lattimore really appreciated her. So that made her happy. It made us happy. So everybody wins. That's great. Man. Now, on top of everything that you guys do, you also are, are doing health screenings, too. Yes. Very important. Very we're doing important. Health screenings. Uh, we've teamed up with a lot of our vendors. We always try to use our vendors within the mall or in the Jackson Medical Mall District. And so we have Mississippi Smiles, the Woodrow Wilson location. They will be here providing free dental screenings. And from there, they always make referrals and and set up appointments. And then we have Mississippi Eye Care Associates, who will also be here, uh, the Woodrow Wilson location. They will be here providing those vision screenings. And so those are so important uh, for youth. And a vision screening can be the difference between a D and an A. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are very important. Well, that's outstanding. It's great work you guys are doing, and we certainly appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time. The, the event is tomorrow, Saturday, July 21st, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Jackson Medical Mall, as you mentioned, the Woodrow Wilson location. Um, Fallon, tell yeah. folks where they can go to find out what time the talent show starts, to learn more about how to get involved and, and when to come out. 
So you can visit our website at www.jacksonmedicalmall.org and uh, click on uh, the Jumpstart banner that's on our homepage. You can go to Facebook. Uh, it's all over our Facebook page. That's at Jackson Med Mall, Instagram, and Twitter. And so th- those are some of the links where you can learn more about the event. The talent show actually kicks off at 11 o'clock. So the event starts at 10. Talent show starts at 11. That's great. You can really make a morning out of it. That's wonderful. Well, Fallon, great work. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You can find the Jackson Medical Mall across social media. You can find them online. Go get more information about the Jumpstart Back to School Jam. All right, it's time for us to take another quick break. But when we return, we'll speak with Laura Howell about the Bologna Performing Arts Center's new season, the 2018 to 2019 season. Don't go far. It's a great lineup. You'll want to hear more. This is Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. You study him hard and hoping to pass. Working your fingers right down to the bone. And the guy behind you won't leave you alone. Ring, ring goes the bell. The cook and the lunch room ready to sell. You're lucky if you can find a Fortunate if you have time to eat. Back in the classroom, open your books. Keep it the teacher, don't know I mean she looks. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with MississippiToday.org, joined by Visit Mississippi's Camille King. If you're just joining us, before the break, we spoke with Fallon Brewster about the Jackson Medical Mall's Jumpstart Back to School, an amazing initiative that showcases the talent of Jackson area youth while providing them health screenings, school supplies, and general support and enthusiasm about heading back to school sooner than later, folks. It's right around the corner. So glad I'm out of school, but I would rather go back than to be a working adult stiff. Well, I tell you, it's like when you're a kid, you want to like be a grown up. Mm-hmm. When you're a grown up, you want to be a kid. But, you know, I do think um, one thing is universal. I think everyone loves school supplies. I mean, there's yeah. so much um, opportunity mm-hmm. in a fresh notebook, right? It is. It is. <laughs> and there's so much opportunity. If I could go back to the 12th grade, would you go back in time if you could? No, I'm not no. much of a of a go back in timer. No. Okay. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I, like, I like the now. I like being here with you. All right. Well, you clean that right on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Speaking of the now, the Bologna Performing Arts Center in Cleveland at Delta State University just released their 2018-2019 season. And here to share a bit about that is Laura Howell. She's executive director with the Performing Arts Center. Welcome, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me. Laura, we're glad to have you on the show today. And we were talking with Michelle, our producer, before the show, and she had just learned about the Bologna Performing Arts Center. So tell our listeners a little bit about the history of this great space uh, before we dig into your new season. Sure. Well, like you mentioned, we're on the campus of Delta State University, um, and this is actually our 24th season. So we have been around for a while. We were built in 1994 um, and have been programming ever since. So we do about 275 events a year. 
Um, about 30 of those will be events that are um, things that we present that are part of our season. And all of those other events are different um, campus events, you know, university events, community events, that sort of thing. We've got two performance spaces in our building. Our main hall seats just under 1,200. So in the Delta, that's a pretty big space. There's not a lot of other venues um, quite that size. And so we have a lot of different community events um, where people are looking for a space that can seat that many people. And then we've also got a smaller space um, that seats 145 people. So we've got two different places. Um, we can do lots of different events throughout the year. Um, in fact, right now, as we're speaking, we have uh, a camp going on for um, children ages 5 to 11. So we've got just over 100 students in the building with us right now um, on our stages practicing um, for a performance they're going to do tomorrow. Wow. I mean, this center is almost 42,000 square feet. And I mean, you guys have received the governor's awards uh, for excellence in the arts and voted the best performing arts venue in Mississippi by Mississippi Magazine. So, I mean, what an honor it must uh, be for the Bologna Performing Arts Center to be heralded like this. Yeah, well, you know, it's really all thanks to the support of our um, community. You know, we exist to serve the Delta region, and our patrons, they really do. They come from all over. Um, just last year alone, we had um, students even come from 20 different counties and three states to come see performances here. So that's really great. You know, we really have a broad, um, a broad base of support from across the Delta region. Well, and speaking of that broad base of support, I would imagine that that creates a little bit of a challenge when you start to develop a season of performances. You've got a lot of different age groups, a lot of different uh, backgrounds and people from different regions um, that you're really thinking about. So tell us a little bit about what goes into um, developing a season for a performing arts center uh, of this Stature. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, we're not in an urban area. There's not um, 17 other different theaters where we can afford to just be a dance theater or just be a Broadway house or only do concerts. Um, you know, we live in a rural area, and we exist to serve a wide, uh, a wide amount of people. And so um, our programming committee's goal has always been to have a little bit of something for everyone. So we try to do um, a variety of different types of performances. We're a multidisciplinary um, performance space so that hopefully you know on our season lineup there's at least one thing that you want to come to and so that's always been our approach is to um, rather than focus on just one genre to try and do a little bit of everything so that um, you know hopefully from year to year there's at least one to two things that you want to see if you don't want to come to everything you know with this being a you know of course a multidisciplinary facility and you guys bringing so much culture uh, to the community how important has it been to the community, you know, for you guys to be there and all of the different things that you host? Well, um, you know, like I said, this is our 24th season, so I think that, you know, that speaks for itself a little bit in terms of um, it's really been amazing. Um, I've been with the center for um, seven years and just seeing um, how the amount of where people come from, how they come back, um, you know, year to year to year to support the venue, it's really incredible. And it, um, also, we have a whole series that's just targeted towards school groups, and so really the teachers that we work with, it's so amazing. For a lot of these students, it's the first time that they um, may see live theater and, or walk into a, um, you know, a, a building that's as tall as ours, and um, it really is incredible to see their face when they walk in, and they're like, where are we? You know, one time a student walked in, and he said, is this New York City? Oh. I mean, they were just amazed, and so a lot of that is due to um, our patrons, like the teachers, you know, that plan these field trips, that bring the students, that expose them to things, to um, the parents and grandparents that bring the young people in their life, and then, of course, to um, to everyone in the public that enjoys, you know, seeing a concert or going to see a show, um, you know, really supporting the arts. We've got a really vibrant um, community up here in the Delta that supports that. That's wonderful. I, I grew up in the Delta, as a lot of our listeners know, and I can remember my mother taking me to Memphis, to the Orpheum, to see theater performances, and that was a really big deal. But it was also a big drive and a full day, and so it's wonderful mm -hmm. that you're able to offer these really top-notch experiences so close to home. Um, Laura, let's talk a little bit about this season. It is pretty impressive. Oh, good. Yeah, we are really excited about it, too. 
Now, you, like you mentioned, you've got some performances that are uh, really kind of your main stage, big names. You've got family series. You've got theater. You've got dance. So I'll let you decide how to sort of um, share this with our listeners. But sure. talk about some of the, the events you're most excited about. Okay, sure. Yeah, so we just um, announced our season on June 1st, and tickets just went on sale earlier this month, June 2nd, um, I mean July 2nd, to what we call our main stage series. So those are um, public events, typically in the evenings, um, and it's a little bit of everything like we've mentioned. So we've got some Broadway tours, um, like Jersey Boys, um, Kinky Boots, The Wizard of Oz. Um, We also do concerts. So we have Boz Skaggs coming, John Prine, The Beach Boys, Trace Adkins, Leanne Womack, um, Trombone Shorty. Um, We always do uh, present a dance company. So this year we have um, Evidence, um, which is under the artistic direction of uh, Ronald K. Brown. Um, And then we also do some family performances every year. So this year our um, holiday performance is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the musical, which is a really huge touring production um, that tells the story. And so we just try and have a little bit of something. Like I said, we've got Rudolph if you've got young children. You know, we've got Jersey Boys if you're into um, Broadway. Um, You know, the Beach Boys sort of speaks to all generations. So we just try and have a little bit of everything on the season. And then we also do um, a school series that um, happens during the day. And so those will be things that are um, happening during the week so that teachers can come and bring um, their students to see a performance. So we typically serve about 10,000 students a year through wow. that series. Um, and those will range from everything um, from, for example, our dance company that's coming, um, Ronald K. Brown and Evidence. They will do a special matinee performance um, for students. You know, they'll perform at night for the public audience, but they'll do a special performance in the morning for students. Um, we have several um, children's series that are based on books. So Junie B. Jones is one. Um, the Magic School Bus is another. Um, and we've actually just gotten um, some new grant funding. We're kicking off um, a new initiative where when students come to performances that are based on a book, we will be giving them a copy of that book, every child mm-hmm. um, to take home with them so that um, we can really extend that um, literacy connection and also um, let those children take the books home too. So, you know, take it. Teachers already do a great job of um, tying their lesson plans into the performances they see, and we're hoping that by adding this book component that students are able to take home, they can bring that, make that connection go home as well. Um, and so those happen during the day, and um, we've got six of those. And so they're usually either based on books um, or there's musicals. They're usually about an hour long. So sort of a perfect attention span for a school-age student. And that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on that new yes, grant. Indeed. And what a wonderful way to add value to what is already mm-hmm. already just a, a really valuable experience for young people. Now, we, um, as you mentioned, these matinee performances are just you know, essential, I think, for the, you know, the growth of our young artistic community. And, you know, again, I just have to say like a fangirl moment. I'm a huge John Prine fan, and I am so excited that John Prine is coming to Cleveland and to Bologna Performing Arts Center. But these other folks, Trombone Shorty, Boz Skaggs, Leanne Womack, you've got to really like go to Nashville to see these types of acts. So it's so cool that they're in our own backyard. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, that's really our goal is, um, you know, we really want to add to the quality of life in the Delta. And so we hope that by bringing in these big name artists, you know, it just really adds more to what people can be proud of to live in Mississippi, you know, that we have access to so many amazing different things. And, um, you know, you don't have to travel out of state to go see something, you know, it's right here, like you said, in your own backyard. And so that's definitely our goal is to bring the best in New York, the best in New Orleans, um, you know, the best international stuff right here to the Delta. Well, Laura, I do want to talk a little bit about your backyard at the Bologna Performing Arts Center. You've got this incredible yes. sculpture garden. We do, yeah, the Matthew Sanders Sculpture Garden. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that it operates um, on a competition basis, and so every two years the pieces change. And so if you've mm. been by and you've seen it before, you know, chances are if you come by now, there'll be new sculpture that you haven't seen before. And so um, it operates on a biannual um, competition, like I said, and at the end of the two years, um, the Sculpture Garden Committee awards a purchase prize to one of the sculptures um, that's there, and then the rest leave, and we get a whole new class of sculptures in. Oh, and so man. it's really cool because it's always changing, and um, slowly over the years, um, as we've acquired more and more sculpture, it's been moved out across campus. 
um, just so that we can keep the front yard, you know, like you said, our front yard looking fresh and different, always having new pieces. And so we've kind of moved a lot of pieces out over the rest of the Delta State campus. And so it's really beautiful when you're walking around campus. There's a lot to look at. And then this past year, we expanded even further. There's now sculptures um, downtown Cleveland, down the, um, the main kind of downtown Green Strip. And there's also some pieces at the Grammy Museum, um, which is just across the street from us. So it's been really great to see how um, the sculpture has really become a, a public art um, piece in Cleveland. I tell you, Laura, it sounds like you guys keep a, a truly ambitious schedule. I mean, with you being the executive executive director over the center, what type of goals do you have for the center maybe in the next year or, or next couple of years? Yeah, well, we always we always work a year ahead. Um, so we uh, we're already starting. You know, we just announced our new twenty fourth season, but we're already working on booking our twenty fifth season. And so we just have seen a lot of really positive growth. It's been really great to see. Um, you know, it's been amazing despite you know the economic challenges and that sort of thing. We've had nothing but positive growth here over the last few years. So just an increase in the amount of people coming, the amount of people buying tickets and donating. And so we just hope to keep growing that and. Uh, in fact, Delta State is going to be um, kicking off a capital campaign soon, and we are really excited to be a part of that um, to hopefully expand our facilities so that we can meet the growth that we've experienced with our patrons and have some more space to offer some more programs um, and just better serve our patrons. So that will be coming out soon, and um, we're really excited about that. But I think we're always, you know, we keep kind of a bucket list of um, big-name artists and things we'd like to do here, and so we are just, you know, slowly always working towards um, towards that. So like John Prine, he was definitely one that was on our bucket list. So just moving in that direction, always trying to grow and uh, get bigger um, and keep serving, you know, keep bringing in what people want to see. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, great work, Laura, to you and your team. Thanks for joining us. Tell folks where they can go to learn more about Bologna Performing Arts Center and find out about tickets to these uh, to this sure. great new season. Yeah, well, we're, you know, we're everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, our handle is Bologna, P-A-C, um, for Performing Arts Center. And also, we're online. Our website is BolognaPAC.com. And it's really good to um, sign up to you know, either like us on Facebook <clears throat> or sign up for our emails because we also do some events that we're not allowed to advertise, like films. There's not a movie theater in our area, and so we will license films and do screenings. And uh, just per the advertising contracts, we can never advertise what films are coming. And so it's definitely good to sign up um, for our emails or like our page on Facebook because you'll find out about other things that kind of pop up throughout the year um, that we've got going on here. So BalonaPAC.com or, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It is time for our final break of the show. When we return, we will welcome our musical guest violinist, Jocelyn Zhu. She's just been featured on Good Morning America. Don't go far. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Mobile Symphony Orchestra, presenting An Evening with Renee Fleming, September 12th at Mobile Sanger Theater, blending classical arias with hits from movies and the Broadway stage. Tickets and information at mobilesymphony.org. This Saturday at 7 p.m. on the Thacker Mountain Radio Hour, we'll welcome Southern author Jessica B. Harris and her memoir, My Soul Looks Back. Plus, rockers, the artisanals, and blues musician, Devin Gilfinian. That's this Saturday at 7 p.m., the Thacker Mountain Radio Hour on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Here comes Jim This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, joined by Camille King. We're both in awe as we hear Mm, the beautiful mm. music of Jocelyn Zhu and her violin. She is our music guest today, and we are so pleased to have her on the show. Before the break, we spoke with Laura Howell with the Bologna Performing Arts Center in Cleveland about their upcoming season. And now it is time to turn our attention to Jocelyn Zhu. She's joining us on the lines. Welcome, Jocelyn. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here with y'all. Yes, indeed. So happy to have you. I've had the pleasure of meeting you, Jocelyn. You, I think you worked on a project where uh, Dr. Benjamin Wright was orchestrating, and I got a chance to meet you. And you are such a beautiful spirit and so talented. It's crazy. Thank you so much. Yes, I remember it was um, the Hard Rock Casino in Biloxi. That's right. Exactly. Wow. That's right. Yeah, that was a great time. Mm-hmm. Now, Jocelyn, you have a big story to share, and we just don't have enough time. But tell our listeners, you're a Mississippi native, but you've really got an international um, experience and Mm -hmm. reputation. Yeah, so I grew up um, in Mississippi. I was born uh, near Starkville, actually. My parents are state fans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Got to plug that. Yeah, Yeah, so I actually grew up in, like, the Madison Regional area, um, I attended Bellhaven University uh, for my undergrad, and then I uh, came to New York. So, wow! And, and you you started Bellhaven at a, as a at a very young age, um, and and started Juilliard again at at very at a very young age, and um, have just done so much uh, in such an early career. Um, we were really glad to uh, to get wind of you this week because your alma mater, Bellhaven was so proud to share that you've recently been featured on Good Morning America. Yes, um, I started at Bellhaven uh, when I was 14, and um, I studied with, uh, I've been studying with the violin professor, Mr. Song, there um, for quite a while, and yeah, the transition was seamless, and my time at Bellhaven was um, really special. I think having a, a broad spectrum um, and of worldviews and different classes and meeting a, a bunch of different people from a lot of different walks of life really prepared me uh, well for coming to New York. And um, yeah, so it's, it was a wonderful experience that I'm, I will always remember fondly. Well, Jocelyn, I would imagine as someone at your level of talent could have taken up any instrument. What drew you to the violin? Oh my gosh. Um, You know, well, I actually tried uh, piano and people ask if I play any any other instruments and I tell them I occasionally shower sing and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't actually. um, Yeah, I I think my mother really loved the violin. Um, I started actually when I was three years old. I don't recall my first couple of lessons. (laughs) I think... um, I started with uh, one of our Mississippi uh, native violinists, Miss Tammy Mason, and uh, I actually started with a lot of fiddling and um, the Suzuki method. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that you know I was sure about till you know age thirteen or fourteen. And um, yeah, I'm really glad that I did take that leap because um, I can't imagine doing anything else. Now, Jocelyn, I'd like to ask you a uh, off-the-cuff question, and, and it's really from an objective perspective, if I may. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen studies and also have talked to, you know, people like Dr. Wright, and they've told me, you know, string players have some of the highest IQ and intellect of anybody in society. And mm-hmm. I, I really like, I, and I know you're a very humble person, but tell me what you think the connection is between the intellect and IQ and the discipline it takes to, uh, to, you know, master a string instrument. You know, that is something that I've been exploring a lot recently um, because I've been doing a lot of private teaching here in New York and uh, just experiencing uh, different 
types of learners and different types of um, just different types of minds, different types of backgrounds. It's really, really interesting the role that music and especially stringed instruments play uh, in the development of especially children, I think, um, through elementary through middle school and um, even beyond. I think it really promotes, for, for, uh, for, my, for my experience at any rate, it really promotes um, creativity within structure, especially, I think, in classical music. Um, and it actually is can be a pretty holistic approach. I think it's everything from like how you dictate your schedule to how well you follow through to how clever you are with um, time management. And, um, you know, I have been experimenting also with, um, you know, uh, the study that was recently done about, um, you know, instead of practicing like six hours a day, you can practice like 20 minute segments throughout the day. Mm. Um, yeah. So different types, I, I think it's very, it very much correlates with, um, you know, math and science. And I have a lot of colleagues who um, have gone on to be in medicine or came from medicine. And um, actually, at, during my time at Bellhaven, I was uh, very interested in um, the medical field. So I, I took a lot of courses, um, I guess that could be considered pre-medical studies. But mm-hmm. I, I really feel like they come hand in hand because um, it can be as organized as you want and it can be as creative as you want. And I really love that special mix between the two. Yeah. So. And that's a great question, Kamel, yeah. and, and really leads me in, into my next question. You talk about creativity within structure, which is just, I mean, we could talk all day about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point in, in your work, um, Jocelyn, do you find that you're drawn to more uh, traditional pieces or are you feeling more contemporary or more experimental? Oh, that's a tough question. I, um, you know, I love I love music that speaks beyond the technical study of it. Mm. That makes sense because I think um, that is what draws a community to experience something as special as a concert together. Uh, I love traditional works. I think um, I also have been uh, playing a lot of new music by composers who are like in and around New York. Um, recently, I played at the Chelsea Music Festival with a uh, and we had a composer in residence, um, Aaron J. Kernis. And um, yeah, I really, and, and we recently did another concert where there were a lot of um, modern women composers, such as like Caroline Shaw, um, and just a different mix of um, composers who were alive in the last 50 years. And um, yeah, some of it was, some of it was um, very hard and for me to access. Um, but I think that the music that I tend to really love has this element where, you know, both the very learned and the very and and people who love music as um, something to listen to every day uh, can both understand and access. And I think that's also the thought that we had behind our project, um, Concerts for Compassion, um, is that music, I hate to say universal language, but it kind of is in a way, because um, even if you don't quote unquote understand what's happening necessarily, there is this element that um, you're sharing it with everyone else in the crowd, and uh, you know that everyone else in the crowd is experiencing what you're experiencing. I think that in itself is really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we are running out of time, but Concerts for Compassion is a, a wonderful initiative that you and a, a partner musician have begun where you are playing, performing for refugee communities, mm. inspiring them through uh, this beautiful music. Jocelyn, Very will you cool. tell our listeners where they can learn more about Concerts for Compassion? Yes, um, we have a Facebook page if you just type in Concerts for Compassion, or you can um, look at directly on our website, ConcertsforCompassion.com, and our Instagram handle is the same. Yeah, so if you would like to follow our work, we're actually leaving for Germany in September. Wonderful. Well, best of luck to you, Jocelyn, and thank you for joining thank us you. today. Thank we're you, Jocelyn. really pleased to have you. And we want to thank you, our guests, for traveling with us today on Next Stop Mississippi. We've had a wonderful show. We've talked about the 40th annual Watermelon Festival in Mize, Fallon Brewster with Jumpstart Back to School Jam in Jackson, Laura Howell with Bologna Performing Arts Center in Cleveland, and, of course, violinist Jocelyn Zhu. Next Stop Mississippi was produced by Michelle McAdoo. For Kamel King, I'm Mary Margaret Miller. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women, and join us again next week for another great trip.